Hi, I'm Courtney. And I'm Ellen. We're the hosts of Of the Earth, a podcast dedicated to digging into the many connections, complexities, and contradictions of Chinese art and culture across time and space. In this episode, we're digging into one of the earliest existing records of writing found anywhere in the world. Once believed to be dragon bones, these objects have evoked fascinating, even controversial links between the past and the present. So settle in as we discuss prophetic tortoises. Ellen, are you ready to time travel with me? When you think of ancient China, what first comes to mind? I mean, obviously, the only thing that comes to my mind would be swirly bodhisattvas painted all over Buddhist cave grottos in northwest China, right? Oh, nice. But let's time travel further back than that. Ooh, I know, sarcophagi with perfectly preserved mummies with melon seeds still in their stomachs. Ooh, ride or lady die, am I right? (laughs) But think even earlier than that. Okay, I definitely got it this time. The first emperor who unified China, Emperor Qinshi Huangdi, and his tomb of Mr. Potato Head terracotta soldiers. That does sound like a good future podcast episode, doesn't it? What about prophetic turtle shells and ox scapulas, though? Of course. Shang Dynasty oracle bones, right? Yeah. Put your Ouija boards in the closet. Hieromancy is where it's at. Let's talk about how turtles can pretend the future. But let's give our listeners a little bit of context here. We need to travel back in time to around 1200 BCE in the ancient Shang capital of Anyang near the Yellow River, located in current Henan province. We're talking 3,200 years ago. Some 500 years before the first sections of the Great Wall were constructed. Right. The Shang Dynasty is the first historical dynasty following the mythical Xia Dynasty and preceding the Zhou Dynasty. So let's think back to the Dynasty song. Are you ready, Ellen? Oh, I'm so ready. Always ready. One, two, three. Shang Shang Zhou Qin Han. Uh, see, I knew that song would always come in handy. Okay, but I think we need to emphasize that excavations at Anyang are important for a number of reasons, mainly because the oracle bones, or prophetic turtles, give us the early examples of Chinese writing. You know, I heard that when these oracle bone fragments were discovered by farmers in fields, they thought that they were dragon bones, and they even ground them up to make medicine to treat malaria. Yeah, that's the story. Farmers also sold these so-called dragon bones to antiquities dealers, thinking that they were fossils. In the late 19th century, though, Wang Yirong, who was a scholar, a politician, and a collector from Beijing, he purchased dragon bone medicine to treat malaria. He became really curious about the origins of these mysterious bones And then he started to collect bone fragments from antiquities dealers himself. He was the first to recognize that there was writing on the bones and that the writing 
was an ancient script. This instigated the excavations at Anyang, the site that you just mentioned, where archaeologists discovered some 200,000 oracle bone fragments in storage pits near palaces and temple foundations, not to mention the tomb of the famous female general Fu Hao, the beloved wife of King Wu Ding. And just a little plug for you, you have an article about General Fu Hao on Smart History. Yeah. Am I right? check, yeah. Check it out. Recently published, smarthistory.org. Shout out, smarthistory.org. Shout out, public art history forever. I mean, who could forget about King Wu Ding? He was obsessed with oracle bone divination, wasn't he? Obsessed. You know, I kind of love this idea of the king just sitting around, you know, and asking these yes or no questions. Like, you know, I used to do when I was 12 with a magic eight ball. But I think it's safe to say that none of his divinations had to do with a schoolgirl crush. So like what types of topics did he divine about? That's a great question. But first, we need to clarify that the oracle bone records are extremely subjective accounts of what concerned the Shang kings, especially Wu Ding, who is responsible for the majority of records. He divined about all sorts of things from sacrifice, war, night, day, the 10-day week, weather, childbirth, nightmares, toothaches, and the list goes on and on. So now we have to get into the nitty gritty about what a Shang divination ceremony might have actually looked like, right? So before the ceremonies, the tortoise shells are polished and prepared for divination by carving oval hollows in the inner side of the shell to thin out the bone for pyromancy. And then during the ceremony, the diviner, who we think is probably the king himself, would take this hot poker and touch the hollow proclaiming this charge, you know, something like, Father Jia is causing my nightmares. Puck, the shell cracks from the heat. And then the charge was spoken in the negative and another hollow is heated. And the king says something like, Father Jia is not causing my nightmares. Puck, another crack. Then the king interpreted the cracks and made a prognostication. It's like reading tea leaves, right? We learn what happened during the ceremony, how the king interpreted the cracks from a scribe who made a record on the other side of the shell after the ceremony. The king's prophecies often foretold of some auspicious or inauspicious event and or identified a problematic ancestor that needed appeasing, like Father Jia. I should note that since the Shang were an ancestor-worshipping culture, they believed that their deceased ancestors could cause all kinds of trouble in their daily lives. Plastromancy helped determine the ancestral misfit. A complete oracle bone record would give us the outcome of what actually happened after the prophecy was made. Like, for example, there's a record where he was divining about his favorite wife, Fuha, and her childbirth. And he was trying to figure out if the childbirth would be auspicious or inauspicious. We actually get a full record on this shell where it says, okay, if she gives birth on such and such a specific day of the 60-day calendrical cycle, it'll be great. It'll be auspicious. And then the actual outcome is that well, she actually gave birth on a different day and it was not good. It really was not good because guess what? It what? was a girl. Oh man. <laughs> so that's like a nice complete record where we get what actually happened that 
it wasn't good. The outcome wasn't good in the king's perspective. But with a lot of oracle bone records, you don't get to know what the final outcome was. The scribe did not record it. We can imagine that the scribe was thinking, oh man, you know, I don't want to be the one to make a historical record stating that the king was wrong when he read the crack in the shell right? Who wants to be that person? Knowing that this king is responsible for sacrificing like thousands of humans, I'm sure that the scribe didn't want to be that person. Uh, Even though to be clear, there's no existing evidence that indicates the Shang sacrificed their own people. That's an important point. Yeah, we should mention that ancient China was diverse. There were many non-Shang groups surrounding the Shang kingdom. In fact, the Shang acquired turtle shells for divination from a non-Shang group in South China as tribute payment, tribute of hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of turtle shells that this non-Shang group was harvesting. This non-Shang group was cultivating and harvesting turtle shells solely for the purpose of Shang divination in the North. Wow. Yeah. So other Shang kings practiced divination here and there, but it wasn't with the same consistency as during the reign of King Wuding, where every morning there was a divination for the day. Every Saturday night, there was a divination for the next 10 days of the Shang week. So it seems like every decision Wuding made Every concern that he had, he made a divination. I also think it's important to know that he wasn't necessarily just using one shell per divination. There's evidence of multiple turtle shells being used for one divination ceremony. So that means like one charge. Uh, Father Ja is causing my toothache or Father Ja is not causing my toothache. So you might have, you know, a set of five turtle shells where he was doing the same divination because Wu Ding didn't necessarily read or interpret every crack. He might look at a crack and decide that he couldn't interpret it. So the shell had to be consulted again and again and again and again until the king could read it. So our listeners might be asking themselves, why tortoise shells? Why not some other material? Seems kind of random, right? But not exactly. Not random at all, especially if we think that in Chinese culture, the tortoise symbolizes longevity, power, and tenacity. I mean, in some cases, there have been tortoises that have lived to see their 200th birthday, which reminds me a few years ago, I was doing research in Beijing when I went to the home of these two super well-known contemporary artists, Lin Tianmiao and uh, Wang Gongxing. And in their garden, they had this massive pet tortoise uh, that I, I think that I remember them saying it was like 50 years old. What? Wait a second. So they had a massive tortoise living in their garden. Yeah. This tortoise was just like chilling in their garden, just like munching on lettuce and gailan, like living its best life. I would love to have a giant tortoise in my yard. I would definitely feed it all the kale. (laughs) We know about you and kale. Totally. Curly kale, dinosaur kale, Russian kale. Um, what about arugula? Oh yeah. 
moving on. That sounds like another episode. (laughs) I mean, in addition to making great lifelong companions, as we've already learned, turtles have been part of Chinese culture for millennia. According to Chinese mythology, Nua, the goddess who created humanity, is also recognized for saving humans from certain peril when she extinguished this massive wildfire, controlled this flood, and if that wasn't enough, she literally repaired the sky by sacrificing a turtle and inserting the legs up to hold the otherwise crumbling sky from coming down and crushing everybody. I mean, she's a baddie, right? Yeah. So if you remember in episode two of our podcast, Nuwa was also depicted on Lady Di's banner next to Chang'e and the toad on the moon. There are definitely strange turtle-like creatures represented elsewhere on Lady Di's banner. I know that's so interesting, right? So if we think about these in the similar kind of spatial terms that we see on the banner, it's not really surprising that within China, turtles also symbolize the universe or Yuzhou. So speaking of the universe, this all reminds me of this this new AR work by the artist Solfei, who we talked about in episode one. She collaborated with this company called Acute Art to make this brand new AR project called The Eternal Wave. Okay. So wait, can you explain to our listeners what AR means? Okay. So AR stands for augmented reality. And what that basically means is that within the context of this Taufei project, unlike virtual reality or VR, where you put on a headset and you might be transported to some kind of alternate universe into outer space or on another planet, or maybe you're even sitting in your apartment in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and suddenly, thanks to VR, you're standing on the Great Wall of China, right? But that's that's not what we're talking about within AR. So AR allows you to remain in your own real environment, you know, just like I'm sitting in my own living room right now, but it incorporates these augmented virtual elements within the context of my own space. So in other words, I could augment my backyard in central Wisconsin with an AR version of the Great Wall, right? (laughs) Exactly. Or to put this in another real world context, there are furniture companies that are incorporating AR technology into their own apps where, you know, you can use your smartphone camera and point it somewhere in your living room. And then you can see what the specific couch might look like within your own space. Oh yeah. Now that you mention it, I have a rug obsession and this is how I shop for new rugs for my house. (laughs) But okay, back to Telfei using AR as an art form. What does her AR project have to do with turtles? Yes, that is the question at hand. So within this AR project, you see this character, little Lee, sitting at a table within your own environment. Um, And just as a reminder, little Lee was the boy who was transported into the computer by his father in Tolfei's film Nova. While he's sitting at this table, you know, looking for his father, above his head, there are these three turtles that are just floating above. So in a way, you know, these turtles, once again, they're kind of like intermediaries between what is seen and unseen, you know, between the tangible and the intangible. 
And in this case, this is all located within the context of an AR experience. Interesting. So in the AR work, you only see turtles within this virtual space brought to you in the AR or the augmented reality. Mm-hmm. With the Shang dynasty, the turtles are existing in a similar in-between space in that they create a bridge between the past, the present, and the future. So in a way, these turtles that we're talking about are vehicles for time travel. Yes. Speaking of turtles in contemporary art, I'm also reminded of this somewhat controversial work by contemporary artist uh, Tsai Guoqiang, created in 2014. Here, he created this performance titled Moving Ghost Town that was staged at the Aspen Art Museum and included three African tortoises with iPads that were actually strapped to their backs. So when they they walked around uh, at the opening, they displayed footage that they themselves previously recorded while wandering through this area of rural Colorado's abandoned ghost towns. The footage that they're showing, it's filled with these unkept fields uh, and abandoned cabins and other kinds of dilapidated structures. Why was this work controversial? As you can imagine, animal rights activists uh, were not super happy about the work. They ultimately called for the removal of this performance as part of the exhibition series of opening events. They were worried about the tortoises' well-being, having two-pound iPads strapped to their backs. But, you know, in my mind, I think that that's why context is so important here. Because what does it mean if we understand that these tortoises are acting like these kinds of literal intermediaries that bring together different times and spaces from these uh, abandoned parts of rural uh, Aspen and bringing them to the exhibition space? So they're walking around the exhibition opening, but the images, the videos that are being screened on their backs, they literally belong to another space and another time, right? So I think that as is the case with the Chinese creation story, these tortoises, they're literally bearing the weight of humankind along with our own human footprint on the earth and the environment. That's so interesting. I think that you could also say the same thing about the turtles that were used for divination during the Shang dynasty, you know, this idea of bearing the weight of humankind, but in the Shang, it almost feels like they're bearing the weight of one person, Wu Ding. <laughs> totally. This all reiterates how much we can learn about contemporary culture by studying the past, especially with regards to how communications with the ancestors from the past offer a greater understanding of the future. Exactly. I mean, I think it's really fascinating to think about all of these connections that exist across time. But, you know, I'm still wondering, what do you think that Wu Ding would think about all of this? Wu Ding would probably agree with the animal rights activists and say, iPads should not be strapped to turtles' backs. Turtles should only be harvested for their shells to be used in divination ceremonies (laughs) to identify who is causing his nightmares and toothaches. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So whether as tools for divination 
or windows into other moments within both the real and the virtual, turtles seem to be able to literally transcend time itself, in which one's understanding or anticipation for the future shapes the here and the now. Turtles, man. Turtles, man. Hey, before we go, we wanted to share a special announcement with our listeners. Between now and the end of September, we are accepting pre-orders for a limited run of super exclusive t-shirts. Here's your chance to show off your love for everyone's favorite mercury-sipping immortalized mummy. Check out episode two if you have no idea what we're talking about. These adorable t-shirts feature the text Ride or Lady Die printed over a dragon that was included on Lady Die's original funeral banner. Proceeds from t-shirt sales will be donated to the AAPI Civic Engagement Fund, an organization that supports civic participation and protections within the Asian American and Pacific Islanders communities. Visit the link in our Instagram bio for more information about ordering and payment procedures. Thank you all for listening to Of The Earth. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share with your friends and subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Buzzsprout. We are Of The Earth Podcast.